we need to sustain and have prices move up and sustain in our sector to start drawing back in those generalist investors to start funding, you know, the, the precious metals focused funds that have no inflows right now. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. As we continue digging into the silver world, a lot happening uh, with the debt ceiling, all sorts of other things going on in the U.S. economy. Fed seemingly getting close to the end of their rate hiking cycle. Uh, might touch on that today. And everybody just watching as silver price responds to all these things and also a rising dollar and dig into this, as well as some of the recent news that has come out about the silver market. I have Steve Cope of Silver Viper joining me again on the show to try and make some sense of the latest developments. So, Steve, a pleasure to have you on in here as always. And how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Chris. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting market out there. Every time we talk, things have changed and something different is happening. It's definitely a bit frustrating at the same time because you you know you look back and you talk about the Fed and and we see what's happening and people seem to forget that banks were failing and and all of a sudden silver starts going back down because everyone's panicking that the Fed's going to somehow magically raise hikes again. But we'll dive into that in a little bit. <laughs> well, that pretty much is how these things often go. And again, since the last time we talked last month, saw silver touch over twenty six dollars again just uh, briefly. And then in the past two or three weeks, uh, now a bit lower, largely in response to a rising dollar index. Uh, today, as we're recording on Tuesday, May 23rd, we're at 2360. Uh, and the gold price also below the $2,000 mark. And as we see here, um, actually an interesting time for the dollar to be rising as we face a another US debt ceiling deadline. and. Um, Curious, any thoughts you have on the recent decline? Is that just, uh, in your opinion, something to be expected after seeing the run-up that we did for a while and uh, now seeing silver about $2.5 lower? I mean, it, it happens. It's disappointing. It, you know, I, I think, obviously, a healthy market, we need to have you know ups and downs and pullbacks. And, and hopefully, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's still a lot higher than it was not that long ago. But... Um, I, it's frustrating. Like I said, it's frustrating to me because you know the rhetoric out there is all oh, the U.S. might raise you know rates again because inflation's picking back up, and I I just don't see the world and and so now also we're priced metals based on like oh metals were priced that they were going to be cutting rates soon, so you know the metals prices pulled back. But it's like, do you really believe the U.S. is going to raise rates? You know, if they do, maybe okay, fine, maybe we have one more quarter point hike. But even that, I think is is dangerous you're seeing these banks fail and yes they've said they'll step in and with this multi-trillion dollar bailouts of the banks as needed but you know people have forgotten that they can't like it's just the panic that comes into our sector and for looking for excuses to sell out is is always i shouldn't say it's surprising because i've been in the sector long enough and we've seen it but it, it's it's disappointing because Everything right now points to the fact that gold and silver should be going up. We're going to be going back into a cycle whenever it starts of, you know, our various, the Fed and, you know, dropping rates. And it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. The the stress on, you know, the average person right now with their mortgages and what the pressure of these rate hikes is doing on people 
it's it's killing people and it's hurting people and then on top of that you talk about the inflation that is happening on food and everything else and people just their their quality of lives and what they're used to they're they can't do it they're struggling to get by and so the more pressure the fed and that puts on people and you're just sinking your country and you're sinking canada and you're sinking all these other western countries that are following suit and it's not good no <laughs> it's not good at all. <laughs> it certainly is not. And I mean, I think that goes back to the whole dilemma that the Fed is in where raise rates, you have the banking issues, lower rates, you have the inflation issues. And what is the answer to that? Maybe not take rates down to 0% and leave them there for a decade because this is what a lot of people were concerned about. I think what drew a lot of people into the gold and silver space and then you do have the unusual environment where uh, it seems almost tick by tick, gold and silver prices responding to a dollar index, which is measured against a basket of other currencies, which have been doing basically the same thing. And uh, brings up something I was reading this morning from Craig Hempy's column that I thought was uh, perhaps amusing in the way that makes you want to pound your head against the wall. But I'll run this one by you anyway. Because he mentions, imagine being a silver miner CEO and waking up to another 3% drop in the price of your primary product, then being told it's down because your European PMIs were weak. Would that make sense to you? And what what is it like when you're running one of these companies? And unfortunately, that is something that you have to deal with where it seems like a lot of factors that shouldn't be affecting the silver price and the dynamics that go into going out and finding silver yet nonetheless you're forced to deal with that and um how do you handle that steve it's i mean it's like i talked about before it's tough like you can go through and you'll read articles for weeks and you can go you know dive down and get excited but what ends up happening is you know i'll go to kitco or i'll go to whatever site and you'll see the excuse of why gold and silver are up or down on a given day and i'm like who cares <laughs> like that's not that shouldn't have driven the price. It's an excuse for, you know, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer and I, everyone should be a believer because it's public, but you know, the manipulation that happens in our space, we're all very well aware of it. You know, we see the banks get fined and for, you know, doing the various things that they've done. And I always laugh because it's like, you know, each of these sites is looking for an excuse. Of, okay. Well, why did this happen? And they never, the article never says, well, it happened because it was being manipulated down or it was being manipulated up. It was, you know, it's because of this or it's because of a jobs number or it's because of a manufacturing index. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things right now, if we're looking at this space, the only thing that matters really is on, on that side of the scale is the Fed. And right now, and then people are, should be focused on Fed rate up or down, ignore all the rest of the fluff on a given daily basis. There shouldn't be big swings because it should be, focused on the fed and the fed isn't going to be skewed because the job number is up by or down by you know off the projection you know it doesn't that's not changing their opinion of when they're going to be going back and making the decision to raise or drop rates you know right now we have we've had the banking crisis that is a major issue they've had to step in and promise multi-trillions of dollars to bail out banks you know so they don't fail are we going to raise rates? Are we going to continue to put stress on the banks and put, like you say, but in doing so putting stress on, you know, the average American or the average Canadian as they're going through that and making their lives a heck of a lot harder, or are we going to lower rates, you know, in the future and, and 
yes, maybe we don't need to take it back down to zero, though. Even the IMF, like last time we talked, we saw that article and they were predicting that they were going to go back to negative rates or zero across all of the Western countries. So what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, it's the U.S. dollar shouldn't be going up, but it's everyone else's currency is screwed in this world, too. So I guess it's the lesser of all the evils and it's the known evil. So people pour their money back into the U.S. dollar when they get scared. And so we see the index going up against the other currencies, but it doesn't make sense. Like you say, you've got the debt ceiling come up, but I don't know how many, how many debt ceilings have we hit since 2011 when we were talking before about years, like we get to this, it's a pissing match between Democrats and Republicans. The average Joe suffers again, you know, the poor, you know, national parks worker or, you know, get loses his salary for a couple of weeks while he's put out of a job while the Democrats and Republicans bicker. And then they come to an agreement and they raise the debt ceiling again. And then again, and then again, and, and then, you know, threaten the $1 trillion platinum coin because somehow that bails you out of all of your debt issues you know, magically when you, you mint one $1 trillion coin. And there's an avenue that that somehow solves things for years. So it's, it's, it's comical when you watch it, but it affects everyone. I mean, this is the, the most powerful country in the world. And you're, you're, you know, toying with people's lives and making these decisions. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, brains that go into the decision making yeah and it also is interesting to wonder which which is more problematic if there actually was some sort of default or if you just keep kicking the can down the road here now uh we see the latest headline they're wondering whether june 1st is actually the x date yet in the meantime you know here u.s now spending more servicing its debt than on national defense combination of the higher rates and the massive debt load and yet you see gold and silver selling off um kind of leaves a bit of a complex picture ahead of all these things going on and um just wonder uh which do you think actually is is the worst outcome if there there was a default that actually held things in check or if it just keeps dragging on till the bubble gets bigger I mean, the banks failing is, is a disaster because that not only affects all of your big investment, that, again, that's not the debt ceiling per se, but that to me, that's the bigger disaster of the whole bunch is if you start affecting more and more banks and having them fail and now people are, you know, banks are defaulting and people are out their money that are stored at banks, don't have access to their capital. I mean, that can't happen. That's, that shuts down everything immediately and civilization stops working the way it's supposed to because you have no access most people won't have access to money they won't be able to buy food they won't be able to do anything to run their daily lives and then you're going to be into anarchy very quickly you know the other side of it i mean i they're they're going to raise the debt ceiling they always raise the debt ceiling it's no one wants to trigger what happens if you don't raise the debt ceiling because then you're the bad guy you know, and we have elections coming up, you've got all these different things happening. And that's been the problem forever. I mean, the US should have taken its lumps, the people have been living, you know, the lifestyles they've been living outside of their means for years and years and years and years and years. And, you know, it gets fueled as people pump more, you know, these governments pump more money into the economies, the banks give you scarier and scarier loans and say, Oh, to refinance, refinance, do this, you know, you can buy a boat, you can buy a trailer, you can buy another house, you can buy vacation property, and people can't afford those things, but you're like, oh, but your house because your house price is always going to go up. It's going to go straight up forever, and you can keep getting access to this capital. And then you have a pullback, and everyone's toast. So you can't 
no one, no government has ever wanted to be the bad guy that steps in and be like, you know what? Your lifestyle should be a lot worse than it is, but that's what, you know, living within your means, it should be. And they won't do that. And so if the U S had stepped in years and years and years ago and been someone been like, look, we need to suffer right now. You know, our debt is growing way too rapidly and, but no one wants to do that because they would have been instantly voted out of office the next time they go and run in an election. And because of that, you're in this death spiral that keeps getting worse and worse. And now you're looking at that, how the debt increases on a yearly basis in the U.S. And that one you know headline in there where the U.S. is spending more servicing their debt than they are on national defense, which for a country that obviously spends way more than the rest of the world on national defense is a, is a shocking number. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's what they're doing and it keeps going. And that's again, why interest rates can't go up because the U S can't afford to keep paying off that debt. And if the interest rates go up, it costs them a lot of way more money to pay off those debts. And, and it doesn't work. So unless you do something dramatic, which they're not going to do, but we, we could all hope like, you know, by going back and you saying, okay, let gold and silver run and back a currency. Once you've decided that and silver is worth, you know, $3,000 an ounce and gold's worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars an ounce and you have a currency backed and then you can pay off the debt on that if the u.s in fact actually holds all the physical that they say they hold um not that we any of us actually know what that number is but if they actually do hold on it then then there's a way out of it but again are they going to be do something that dramatic i mean for us i guess we hope they would but it's you know that right now it's just a death spiral and the debt is just growing and growing and growing and they don't really have a viable way out of it no, it doesn't seem like it. And interesting, we have heard talk about re revaluation of the gold account, perhaps marking gold mark to market, which would at least create some extra revenue. Again, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much better that is than the trillion dollar <laughs> platinum coin. Again, that you do an accounting maneuver and that boosts the wealth. Yet, suppose the uh, system we live in. Though, Steve, one thing that I wanted to ask you about here. We've talked a lot about how the silver price affects the projects that are going online, the investment that's coming into the sector, and how certainly if you get a $25 or higher price that stays there for a while, that can certainly help things. Yet, how, how does that impact it when, again, you do see the drop to $2 lower? Does that create more uncertainty for people who are looking to launch projects? Does that, again, pull things back a little bit? We're, we're definitely, I mean, we've been going back over a year. We've had a couple of, you know, windows where people got excited about our space and you see some money come back in, but we, we need to sustain and have prices move up and sustain in our sector to start drawing back in those generalist investors to start funding, you know, the, the precious metals focused funds that have no inflows right now. It's, it's very hard for companies to raise capital you're not seeing a lot of new companies come online because there's no capital to give to them to finance a new venture. Existing companies, you know, have some small drill programs going. Some people are doing some work that were able to raise a bunch of capital before it got really bad um, or hit one of those windows and, you know, was able to raise capital, but no drilling is slowed down a ton. Um, you're not seeing the miners redeploy their capital back into the juniors again. It's been a pretty tough time here for quite a while in our space and we what we do need to see is a rising price and giving investors confidence to start bringing that money back into the space and it will come and it always we go through cycles like this but it's it's been a really tough year plus now of 
trying to get and see new money coming in. We've seen it on the retail side. There's definitely been high net worths and retail guys getting involved. And, and the last placement we did was all retail, which I've never done in my entire career. But it's it's tough because the funds have no inflows. And you know they're having to sell something to invest in something else. And they don't want to sell when things are all down close to their lows. So it's been it's been a trying period for miners and explorers alike in the in the gold and silver space um we we had some hope here we watched the last couple months obviously we're all higher than we were earlier in the year but you know i think a lot of eyes are on that next fed meeting and hopefully you know there's no surprises there and people will get their confidence again that they do know what the fed's going to do moving forward and that we are probably going back to rates lowering by the end of the year or early into next year in the u.s and and that will stimulate gold and silver to continue to move up and give confidence on a longer term basis that they will continue to move up. And then you'll see that generalist money coming back in, the bigger money coming back into the space. And that will kickstart. You'll see every silver miner and every gold company go and try and finance at the same time. And then, and then you know, as the it's just that's the cycle. You'll get these rushes on things as capital becomes available. But in the interim, those companies that have capital to go out and deploy it and can get some news flow going, are they're definitely a step ahead of companies right now that still don't have capital and have no sign of any ability to go and drill or get ready or acquire a new project, start a new company and get it going. It's it's pretty quiet out there right now. Yeah, and I, I suppose we've seen a little bit more on the gold side, especially with gold getting up near or above 2000 for a while before dropping back down. Seems like a lot of attention has been focused there versus one metric, perhaps we could say, in terms of looking at the institutional interest in silver. Here, this blue line representing COMEX, SLV, the other ETFs. And you can see that really since April of last year, when the price started declining, a lot of money, institutional money, shall we call it, coming out. Not going back in, even during the price rise, which has been a different pattern in the gold market, although Steve on the positive side and actually speaking of those banks that you mentioned before, we continue to see more and more coverage of silver, which was really absent for the last couple of years. Uh, last month, it was Citibank putting out a report advocating that the silver rally might not be done. Then uh, about a week or two ago, we got a report from Bank of America Again, citing many of the same things that we've talked about, demand from green technology is set to increase. They also mentioned that investors have been on the sideline, but um, interesting, some of the other things they show here. Here you have a chart with the lighter blue line. This one, the silver price, as that came down, you saw what we've alluded to where less less uh, production coming online as it makes it harder for the companies to do so. And um, But interesting to see that now banks are even mentioning this and, and talking about it, which perhaps could be at least the beginnings of some money going into the sector again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice for our both gold and silver when the U.S. banks start saying positive things. You know, it's Hopefully that's a sign to come that they believe, you know, on a long-term scale that these things are all going to be moving up and they start putting some of their own money and their own investors into that space. Um, but again, we haven't seen the money come from that, but 
yeah so once you start having research and that normally that means the banks are positioning themselves to want to take advantage or have positioned themselves to take advantage of a rising metals market so let's I think that's definitely a positive sign. It's always nice when we don't see, you know, the constant negativity coming out of those banks of trying to, you know, projecting prices to be in gold hundreds of dollars lower or silver, you know, five, ten dollars lower than what it's at. That's definitely a step in the right direction. And, you know, we've seen like, I, I've been surprised at how slow like you, you want to you know, feel those images ago where you talked about how the money didn't come back into silver when silver prices was rising. And, you know, people have they're hesitant they're always looking for an excuse to jump out of gold and silver and do it very quickly and it takes it takes some time for them to build up the confidence you know if it takes a day or two to jump out it takes you know months to build people's confidence to come back in and so yeah i mean that image there where we saw gold and silver spike up and virtually nothing ha nothing happened on the investors i mean in fact most of it continued to go down so comes in waves it happens all the time and i think you know on a macro scale here all eyes are on the Fed. It's on, you know, what's going to happen on that front. And as people get confident, like I say, long-term, I think metals prices are going to perform well. It's just frustrating when we talk about the supply issues on the silver side and how, you know, we talk, we talk about green technology and the uses. And, and I mean, the people that watch your show have seen us and heard every expert that comes on talk about them for the last, you know, few years, but you know, the supply and demand side, it makes sense. You talk about, you know, one of your earlier questions, you said, well, what does a silver miner do when he wakes up and sees the price down? And he says, thank God I'm not a silver miner anymore because most of those primary silver miners have become gold miners or other things. And, you know, like a Pan American silver, he says, yeah, I'm 80% gold production now. So yeah, it sucks a little bit on the silver side. It hurts our numbers, but gold has become far more of the important bottom line dollar for most of the companies that call themselves a silver miner. That's uh, probably more of what it said is, thank God I'm not a primary silver miner anymore. Well, I I understand that. And obviously that's one of the challenges that is making it harder. And I guess we don't know when that will actually start affecting the price. Although a few more to pass along here in terms of at least growing interest in silver and gold. Here was Stanley Druckenmiller, who mentions that this was from uh about a week or two ago, I'm in gold and silver right now. They have historically not done well in hard landings, but betting for the time being against the history of gold and silver in hard landings. Also, so obviously a well-known fund manager. And then last week, BlackRock taking a big chunk of the Sprott PSLV trust. So signs that uh, at least some are looking at this current environment as a place to get involved and I guess alongside with that, one last thing I wanted to ask you about was something that this was from last month, although we did not get a chance to talk about that yet. And that's the new Mexican mining laws, which obviously are going to, if this holds up, I know there's going to be a lot of appeals in court over that, um, obviously going to affect new projects going online. They wanted to reduce the amount of time you can get from 50 years to 30 years on a project. But have you gotten any clarification yet on how this would affect ongoing concerns? I there's been I mean, obviously we've dug into this quite a bit, um, and from what we've been told, the main thing here is most of what they've done is against the law. You know that that this is going to get challenged in the courts in Mexico, and a lot of it is going to get thrown out because it goes against things that you can't mess with. <laughs> but um, as far as existing, I mean, it's going to affect everything. It's 
you know, you've the, and the other thing you said with the, the 30 years, is it, you know, the way it stands now on that is you can only renew it once. I mean, there's a lot of mines and other projects that, you know, last in Mexico a lot longer than 60 years. And especially from the start of exploration on them to putting them into production 10 years, you know, let's say you start on average, you're at least 10 years to get something to production. And then now you've got 50 years left total if they, you know, on one renewal. And there are a lot of mines that last a lot longer than that. So it's, it's, it, it's a silly move again, again, that's AMLO has been in there and he's been obviously, you know, publicly preaching for quite a while, you know, to his, his voter base and do these things. And he's got just over, I guess, a year left in office roughly for him. And from what we've been hearing, you know, he's not going to get reelected and that party won't get reelected. Um, and then we'll probably go back to where this all gets thrown out and redone yet again. But no, this is this is the first time in a long time the Mexican government has done something or tried to do something that that very that is isn't good for the mining sector. It's um, but again, I think a lot of it's going to get thrown out in court, be you know not be allowed. Um, but we'll see. You know, we're staying tuned. We're watching. It definitely will affect people's investment views on Mexico and what they're looking at, but you still come back around and look at what's happening in the rest of Latin America. And if you want to invest in silver, it's going to be in Mexico. It's, you know, I, I would, you're not going to do it in Chile. You're not going to do it in Peru at this point over, even with the change like this, if it goes through in Mexico, you know, you've got some in the U S and Nevada and, and maybe some of the surrounding States, you've got some in Canada, but Mexico is still the number one silver producer in the world. And probably I would imagine has the most expiration assets that are looking for silver and gold. And so, I mean, again, if you're going to be looking to invest in gold and silver companies, you're going to have to have some in Mexico in your portfolio. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a step that's a step in the wrong direction if they, in what they're trying to do, but it does still allow us to work. It does still allow people to put stuff into production and, and run successful mines um so we'll see but we'll stay tuned but again i think a lot of that what's been publicly put out there is going to get thrown out by the courts and not be allowed yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously that would add to what seemingly a, a building a perfect storm between the mandates to go green and then i mean already hard enough to mine some of the metals at the current levels and if this does stay intact would just make that all a little bit harder. So I guess these are the things that we have to deal with, but again, why it seems to a lot of us that there's still a bright future ahead for silver. And Steve, I suppose before we wrap up, obviously uh, you're running silver Viper and you are down there in Mexico and perhaps you could just give us an update on how things have been coming along over the last month as you move the project forward at La Virginia. Yeah, we're gearing up for our drilling campaign for this year, the start of a drilling campaign for this year. We should be drilling at some point in June. Um, we're going to start with a 5,000-meter program. We'll be testing our El Ruby discovery at depth and trying to expand that, and then also testing the El Molino area that's become our number one exploration target. Uh, really excited to receive to get results from both of those, um, and hopefully, you know, as we're doing that, we're coming in you know, get those results around the end of summer into the fall and, and yeah we're excited to see where we're going hopefully we're in a lot better market by then and and we can watch the share price go you know 
crazy on some spectacular results, but excited to get back to work and get back to drilling. We've been doing a lot of mapping and sampling. We've really vectored in on what our top targets are. Um, and now we're looking forward to making a new discovery, hopefully at El Molino, and, and then expanding on that resource. Um, we'll be looking to do a resource update by the end of the year based on that drilling and, and additional meters that we'll add based on success. But really trying to expand that El Ruby open pit and under and develop an underground resource at El Ruby. You can see El Molino on that map as well, two kilometers to the east. That's That's become a very key area of interest for us where we see the same high-grade breccia structures that we have at El Ruby, we see them happening in parallel and sequence and coming together there. And a lot of our sampling numbers at surface have been really good. Uh, I know our team wants to get to that Los Cantiles El Oriental area because again, there was some really good surface sampling in that area. Um, so lots of lots of targets, lots of areas to test. But that initial program, what we're excited is going to be at El Molino and El Ruby. Yeah, I know El Molino. You've been encouraged by what you've seen there so far, and. Um... So I guess that will be one of the primary drilling targets you have going on towards the end of this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you say, we'll, we're starting drilling in June and El Molino will be part of that initial phase of drilling. It'll be El Ruby and El Molino. So getting to that very quickly. Well, going to be exciting to see how things come along. I know you guys have made a lot of progress, especially at Law Virginia as well. And um, Steve, perhaps in wrapping up, if people have questions, uh, want to get more information about the drilling program or what you've already found, can you just let them know the best way to do that? Yeah, all the information is on silverviperminerals.com. Um, you can email us at info at silverviperminerals.com. That'll come to myself and Alicia. More than happy to jump on a phone, you know, jump on a Zoom call if you want to do that. You know, we're always open and ready to engage with investors. Well, Steve, I appreciate that. Appreciate you shedding some light on the goings on in the silver market and should be an eventful summer with everything that's building out there. And sounds like you're not a big fan of the latest Fed policy, but we'll see what <laughs> they have rolling out next meeting coming in June. And uh, yeah, it's it, going to be quite a dynamic to see how these higher rates, obviously, there's a bit of a lag in the policy and started to see some of the effects of that coming on. And then when you add in all of the dynamics going on behind the scenes in silver, I think it leaves for a bright picture going forward. So we'll look forward to seeing how it goes and great to catch up with you as always and look forward to doing this again next month. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris.